It's Wednesday the 3rd of March. Welcome to our Afternoon Sport Deep Dive. I'm Tim Gilbert. I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. Now Shane, how did the hamstrings and the calf muscles (laughs) pull up after the big game of tennis, mate? How, How did you pull up? My calves are a bit tired, to be honest, but uh, I got probably sunburnt more than anything. But uh, yeah, not too bad, mate. Didn't slip, slop, slap. It's all right. when you when you ever you have a victory, mate. It always feels good. So when you lose, it tends to hurt a little bit more, mate. Yeah. What do they say? Winners have parties, <laughs> losers have meetings. Yeah. It's a huge, yeah, huge show on the way on afternoon sport. John Stephenson. Well, he's back from Bathurst. We're going to unstitch every move, and it's quite funny, really. And the NRL's player manager to the stars, Steve Gillis. Cameron Green, well, he, he reminds me, as a boy, I remember watching Tony Gregg play, this stylish, tall all-rounder. Cameron Green has scored this uh, swashbuckling century, Shano, 144 off very few balls. Yeah, 144 off 101 balls in the one day, following up from his 100 in the Shield match. Um, we talked a lot about him during the summer, and um, look, he's a prodigious talent, Um he, he got none for 62 off eight. And this is the problem when you're an all-rounder. Everyone looks at both sides of your game. And um, look, if he can chip in with a couple of wickets here and there and keep batting the way he's going to be batting, he's going to be one of the best all-rounders that we, we ever produce. So that's, that's what's your space, I think. We've certainly got the ability with the ball, isn't he? Mm. If, if there's one thing that you want ticking over, the batting, is it a bit more complex? Obviously, I was a, I was a fairly uh, you know, pedestrian fourth and third grader, so I never played it at the lofty level that you did. Yeah, look, I, th- I think his bowling is really sound. He's, he's really tall. He hits the seam. It's very uncomplicated. He's got a nice short run-up. Um, and you just have to think when he gets onto a bit of a roll with the ball, um, I think he just needs to work out his craft a little bit better. But he, look, he does most things right. And, you know, it's really, really good to see him really ploughing on the runs. So I think we're gonna, he's going to be a big part of this upcoming Ashes series in Australia. Goran Ivanizovic, now we remember him, of course, as a, as a mighty tennis player. He's now the coach of Novak Djokovic. We didn't hear a lot of him over the summer, but he's come out with some fairly big comments saying that a lot of the vitriol, a lot of the aggression or a lot of the negative negativity towards Novak Djokovic, particularly at the Australian Open, was race-related uh, huh. racism. What did you think? What a load of crap. <laughs> um, look, Goran, he was, he was a very good tennis player, but... I just don't see the point. I know he's on the payroll with Djokovic, but what what's the point in doing this now? Djokovic came through it. Yes, he said he had a really bad injury during the tournament and, and got through that. Whether he's foxing or not, he still won. Um, his best is to shut up now and uh, and, and let uh, Djokovic get on with it. But it's no point coming out saying that it's racist. It's absolutely ridiculous. That The game doesn't need it. It's been hard enough during COVID with tennis, and I think Goran should just get back in his box and uh, and just be quiet and let, uh, let Djokovic tennis racket do the talking what about the changes to the t20 side they there looks like there'll be a few needs to be they, they've struggled haven't they so they lose this game and and boom that's three nil they've lost the series yeah well andrew mcdonald um the former victorian all-rounder and he, and he played a few games for australia too uh, has taken over the coaching role here and, and the team's really struggled that's due to the team that was supposed to go to south africa so the team is missing quite a lot of players but look I think they'll make some changes um, with the with the spinners, even though I don't think we've scored enough runs. But you know, Zampa, they've really targeted him over there, and he's been a really, really good leg spinner for, for quite a while now for Australia. But they may give him a rest. Um, and Ashton Agar, I think, will will make way. He's going at ten runs and over, and has only really played three one or three twenty 
20 matches in uh, in the last nine months. So I dare say Darcy Short will come into the middle order. Um, they'll give another bowling option, bowls good left-arm sort of Chinamans. And then the big question is, will Finch score some runs? Mm. And I think if he doesn't score some runs in this third game, they may really reassess where he sort of sits as captain moving forward for the T20 World Cup. Well, it doesn't really matter what George Bailey says then, does it? Or, no. or others. You you can't defend it. It's, it's either you're, you're successful or you're not. And he look, he's a really talented player. And it, look, my experience is a really nice fella. But if, if you're not getting runs, that's what your job is. That's what your job is. Um, look, he did have a bit of a lean run leading into the last 20... 20- uh, T20 World Cup and um, and he came good in England. Look, don't forget Finch scored um, in the just against India in the one day series. I know it's a different game, 50 over cricket, but he did score 160 and 50 in three matches there. Um, but his T20 form is poor. So look, I think I think he's a great player. I think he'll get some runs this match and uh, he'll continue to be captain of Australia. Fingers crossed. Just finally, state of origin going back to Adelaide. It seems like the rugby league have got this template going where you play a game in Sydney, you play a game in Brisbane, and you take it elsewhere. Personally, I like it. I, I think it's the biggest brand in the game. Take it elsewhere, get some money, get other sets of eyeballs on it. Plus, you have um, like a, a city which is which is not connected. Yeah, look, I, I agree too, and you've got to grow the game. Um, I think uh, where people might be a little bit turned off about going back to Adelaide, don't forget that was played during a pandemic. Adelaide Oval doesn't really give itself to a great atmosphere for rugby league because all the crowd was so far back. There was hardly anyone there and a lot of them didn't really, didn't really know the rules. But um, I, I think growing the game is the way to go and uh, Adelaide will turn it on once there's a full crowd there, that's for sure. Yeah, you might have to go and do afternoon sport from Adelaide and uh, 100%, spend a week yep. going through the uh, the surrounding districts just to acclimatise ourselves a little bit of time in the Barossa, McLaren Vale. Yeah, you could talk me into that, Timmy, definitely. <laughs> afternoon sport on the road. <laughs> Let's do it. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, the NRL's player manager to the stars, Steve Gillis. All right, let's chat a little rugby league. And the manager to the stars, of course, is Steve Gillis. How are you, Stephen? Good, thank you, Tim. Good day, Shane. Steve, the season's almost here, mate. Uh, how we, how's it shaping up? And uh, is Cameron Smith going to sign with anyone? Oh, that's, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it, Shane? No one really knows. Yeah. I'd be surprised, mate. I, look, only personal opinion, and I might be a, a million percent wrong, but, jeez, uh, you're going to have to get stuck into some training soon if he's about to run out on the field. It's a brutal game. So, yeah. look, I, I would probably say no, but nothing would surprise me. It's been the ultimate hold your cards close to your chest if he doesn't play. It's been it's been quite an extraordinary saga. Now, there, there has been this story swirling around that the player window is open a bit further and we could see a frenzy. Uh, I find that hard to think, Steve, seeing that a lot of the, the club's rosters, their budgets would all be in. With, we're in a very tight fiscal time with COVID. Yeah, look, it's an interesting one, Tim. I, I, I guess in a way you, you could imply that it's it's been brought in to create chatter amongst fans and create interest in, and create talk in the, in the pubs and all those sorts of things. Remember when we had the uh, the two point field goal, and um, when you dissect it, you know, it's a very good chance we won't even see one this season. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens here. It is an interesting one, but. Look, um, I find it difficult to believe there will be a crazy feeding frenzy because clubs obviously fill their squads and uh, clubs have salary cap pressure. 
But that's not to say that there won't be some movement later in the year, which, again, is good for the fans that are... Uh, hoping and praying that their teams can squeeze into the eight and hopefully win the competition. Yeah, so the, th- the theory is moving to August 1, um, as Timmy said, may may cause a, uh, a bit of a feeding frenzy, but is it what's the theory behind it? Like to keep some salary cap up your sleeve so they'll be trading later in the year? I, I, I'm not quite sure how it's working. Yeah, look, I think it's designed that if, if you have a key playmaker injured and, and you're travelling all right and thinking you're a chance of being a contender, you, you would then be able to... Uh, uh, entice someone from another club who was unwanted or okay. not getting a run at the time to come to your team and bolster your stocks. So there is there is some uh, reasoning behind it, but how it actually pans out uh, is yet to be mm. seen. You've got you've got so many stars in your stable at many many of the clubs. Those like Ryan Pappenhaus and Jake Friend at the Roosters, Sia Soliola. The list goes on and on and on. Uh, what kind of feedback are you getting from them as they they look towards next week? Of course, we're only a week away from the start of the competition. A lot more positivity in 2021 than say this time last year. Well, I think everyone's very excited, Tim. I think uh, everyone's trying hard. They haven't overtrialed them. They've only done you know one or two trials, whereas you know, a few years ago, these guys were doing you know two or three or four trials and travelling overseas for the World Club Championship. So everyone's relatively fresh and keen. We know it's going to be a long, tough season. We know Origin's coming back to the middle of the season, which is exciting uh, for the players. I think that's the way that everyone would prefer it. Um, we've got to hope the virus stays clear of us and we can, we can all knuckle down and, and have a good, consistent season where we can deliver for the fans. Hey, Steve, do you want to just explain in layman's terms, there's a lot of chat around Sawali um, being a 17-year-old. What needs to happen under the rule book for him to to play for the Roosters? Well, at the moment, the rules quite clearly state you can't play until you turn 18. Mm-hmm. And obviously, there's moves afoot to uh, convince the NRL that A, he's an exceptional talent and B, he's physically capable of playing at age 17. So um, things are happening there behind the scenes to convince the NRL that there'll be things like uh, medical evidence and and, uh, coaches' opinions and and things like that. But but I I get the impression that at some stage this year, prior to his 18th birthday, he may get the green light to play. Yeah, and you've watched him come through. You've seen a lot of young guys come through. He he is precocious, isn't he? He's he's got that size. He's just got that perfect physical mix. I mean, he's still young, so they've got to be very very careful. We've seen a lot of injuries happen, uh, chronic injuries happen in early careers, like Benji Marshall and Sonny Bill. Yeah, look, in the old days. Tim, it was very much if you're old enough, you're good enough. But nowadays with concussion rules and injuries and you know, protecting uh, players, particularly young ones, we, we have a, a duty of care to these guys. So I am uh, you know, absolutely certain that the league won't make a hasty decision and they'll do all their research and uh, uh, intelligence into being comfortable that he is safe to play at that age despite his size. Yeah, well, I definitely did that in cricket, Steve, with um, with Pat Cummins. He made his test debut at age 18, um, and he injured his back, and, and they kept him in and around that Australian team for, for six years, um, and it's paying dividends now. Quick quick one, what, um, what, what are your, your tips for this season? Can you, can you make a prediction this early? Uh, it's tough, Shane, isn't it? Because, you know, it, you know it's, the comp's probably not as, as strong, in my opinion, as we've seen in past years. It, it, um, look, I wouldn't say it's as even as you'd like either. But, you know, South Sydney and Melbourne Storm and the Canberra Raiders 
and possibly the Parramatta Eels stand out to me as uh, the more likely. And obviously there'll be some teams that have to really step up early or it could be a very long year for them. I've had a lot of South fans contact me. Well, they, they were strong, weren't they, South over the Dragons in Mudgee? But it was trial form, so we need to sort of uh, catch our comments with that. But a lot of South fans, and they only come in one type, Stephen, as you know, passionate, are wondering about Adam Reynolds. He's one of your men. What's the latest there? He's been such a fantastic player for the Rabbitohs. He's done everything that they've asked of him. Yeah, look, talks are ongoing, Tim. Um actually going to talk to the Rabbitohs within the next week again about Adam and, and where it's all at. So, look, you know, my opinion, the door's not shut. Adam's not looking for a 10-year deal, but he's certainly not looking for a one-year deal. So if we can find some common ground, I think talks could accelerate again, but we'll just have to see where that takes us within the next week. Steve, have you found Wayne Bennett a, a, t- a tough guy? Is, is, is he a big factor when you negotiate with a player you know, under his coaching? Oh, look, Wayne obviously has influence in, in his roster and decides uh, who who he wants there. The, the, the little conundrum at South is that Jason Demetrio is going to take over from Wayne. So the tide's turning a little bit where Jason is obviously entitled to have some input as to the future of the club. So yeah. it's a little bit unusual, but obviously that together they would... Uh, collectively discuss who would be uh, best to retain for the club. Wayne Bennett, I was at Channel 9 for a long time. We had the rights to the rugby league. I'd go in there in the coverage and say, Wayne, can we have a chat? No. No, we can't. No. No, I've told you no. No, I'm not going to do it. No. So if everyone was Wayne Bennett, it would become very, very difficult. I love that joke about how he got kicked out of the pub because – um, someone came up to him. He said, I don't even drink. And he goes, I know, Mr. Bennett, but it's happy hour. But uh, boy, you can coach. Stephen, yes, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, man. It's a pleasure. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, John Stephenson. Well, he's taken his helmet off. He's out of the car. He's going to give us the full snapshot of what it was like at the Bathurst 500. Stump to Stump is Australia's newest and most interactive cricket platform for all cricket fans, players and clubs to share stories, match results, memories and experiences. StumpToStump.com All right, it is time to get our engine moving, and it's all about motorsport. John Stephenson. This is almost a movie, this thing. He's taken his camper van up to the mountains, playing a little bit of John Denver. <laughs> Steph, come in. What's going on? Vroom, 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 Timmy Shay. What a weekend, man. It was so, so cool. Yes, I did take the camper van, my very, very first road trip in my Let's Go camper. And now, if you haven't done it before, I will give you this tip. Definitely go out, get yourself a Let's Go camper van and take a trip around the Australian countryside. It was so much fun. It was actually comfortable, which I was actually surprised. But forget about that. I personally had a great weekend racing. You never walk away from Bathurst without being completely mesmerized by what that track does to you when you're racing and how alert you got to be, especially when you gives you so much respect for the VA Supercar drivers that they get to push, you know, those big horsepowered beasts around that track. And didn't we see Shane Van Gisbergen again? You know, geez, he's a good driver. Like you can't help but be mesmerized and to think that this year he will win another V8 Supercar Championship. What a way to start. He was challenged by Cam Waters and, and Anton Di Pasquale from DJR and Will Davidson, but he 
pretty much was in control throughout the whole weekend. Triple Rate Racing did a great job. And I think Shane's just really in his sweet spot now at the moment. And again, it was great to see crowds back at the V8s. Yeah, it was, uh, I got, to, mm. got a chance to go up to Skyline um, and spend some time out there with the Skyline faithfuls that go up every year and that was a blast but um yeah truly love Bathurst it's such a great check can't wait for the 1000 later on in the year look I obviously was interested in Shane Van Gisbergen but I was following closer what you were doing tell me tell me what, what were you driving how fast were you going tell me some of that kind of stuff so, so I drive in a series, it's a, it's a one-make series called Aussie Racing Car Series. So it, it, it was mm. originated in America. It was brought over about 25 years ago to Australia, where we used the same shell as the V8 supercar drives, but in, in a miniature replica form um, with a 1300 engine. Besides that, everything is the same suspension, the brakes, a little bit smaller in a smaller scale. So um, um, you're pushing 200 plus down Conrod. What's that like? You know, you don't feel the speed uh, because you're so focused on the next corner and the next corner and the next corner. You're more looking for your brake markers, you're looking at your the apex of the corner. Only till you look at the vision and the footage afterwards, you you go, wow, that, that was pretty hairy. But when you're actually in the car, you're, you're concentrating so much, you don't notice the severity or how dangerous it really is in what you're doing. You almost go into a bit of a zone when you jump into the car. I can't tell you, down Conrad Strait, for those that don't know Bathurst, it's it's, it's the longest straight on the track, and, and honestly, it's, it's it feels like it's like a kilometre long, and it's really undulating. So when you're going 200 plus kilometres and you go over a hump, the whole mm. car lightens up, and you get that stomach feeling. You get on a roller coaster, and then any turn you take at 200 plus kilometres an hour, the car wants to railroad. So you almost feel like the car's going to like lose itself. So it's it's a really surreal experience. But you got to have your wits about you, and that's when a little bit of racing skill comes in, and that's what I do it for. I do it to test myself and test my limits and um, and uh, yeah a Bathurst definitely does that yeah absolutely well I've had a couple of bumps and bruises along the way uh, on a few road trips I'm not the world's best driver but but have you have you had any little sort of scrapes or prangs while racing oh have I ever uh when I was doing the Carrera Cup series, uh, I had a massive crash at Formula One Grand Prix, which is my, probably my biggest crash that I've had in a race car. And that would have been at about 180k an hour. I probably hit the wall at 160k wow. an hour, I think. I don't, I don't know what the G-force was. I, I never, I didn't want to see that. I crushed my ankle really bad. I couldn't walk on my ankle for a while because when you, when you're about to spin, you, you put your clutch in, and so the car doesn't stall. And obviously, you hit the brake, which is your natural reaction. And then as I hit the wall, my foot slipped off the clutch, and the clutch pedal flung back up. And as it hit the back of the car, as it sort of like hit the front and spun to the back, my my ankle smashed against the clutch pedal. So that was pretty scary. And I got, and then it was other drivers coming past at 180k an hour trying to avoid me that just missed me that could have t-boned me very easy mm. so that was that was a pretty pretty radical crash uh, but it doesn't deter you it's funny man you're again you're, you're in such a zone that you that you feel like okay that's part of motor racing um i'll jump back in the car and you know i do the right thing it'll be okay you know so it's a pretty weird space you know motor racing for myself now and you watch all these documentaries about Senna and Nicky Lauda, the great, you know, Formula One drivers and James Hunt. And we've all seen, I don't think everyone's seen the movie, but there's a movie called Rush. And it's a, it's a story about James Hunt and Nicky Lauda's rivalry in mm. Formula One. You understand, like, back in the 50s, 40s, 30s, um, it, it wasn't a rarity to have a death at a Formula One track meet. 
It, it was, oh, it, was no. it was quite it was quite common. And yeah. these guys almost it was a matter of if, it was a matter of when you were gonna die at one point in time, you know? And yeah, well there's a, I hate to I hate to interrupt, but there was there was a documentary and, and it was on a lot of the long haul aircraft and I watched it a couple of times called The Killing Years and it was basically that that period of time before it got to to where some of the safety measures and and the way they become uh, that that scene the other day uh, of the car going through the air. Now I remember Mark Webber back in Valencia in 2010 where his car went airborne. What did you make of that Formula E driver? He, he launched up into the air before landing upside down in Saudi Arabia. The vision's still online for those that want to go and have a squiz at it. Thankfully, they took him to hospital. He was released from hospital and he was okay. Years ago, there's no way that would have happened. But how does the plane go up like a Fokker friendship like that, John? Well, it's funny you use the word plane. A Formula One car and a Formula E car, which is based upon a Formula One car, but just with an electronic engine, are basically upside down airplanes. <laughs> you know, the, the way they set up the aero in the car is to suck on the ground as, as much as possible at the highest speed that they go. So the slower Formula One car goes or a Formula E car goes, the less aero it has. The faster it goes, the more aero it has, which means it sucks to the ground, allowing it to go, you know, through those curves at, at warp speed, you know. So what happens for the flip to occur is if that arrow at any time gets disturbed by by whether it's a bump or and that's what the, the issue they're having now in Formula One, there's so much arrow in these cars, it's really hard to follow another a Formula One car without the arrow being disturbed where you lose arrow. And with the Formula E driver, he lost too much arrow and the car turned into an aeroplane essentially and that's what causes it to flip up in the air. Yeah, it takes a different uh, definition of exit row on the flight, doesn't it? There's no chicken and fish being served on that plane. Now, just just finally, John, you had your camper van. You were like uh, about Schmidt in the movie. Where did you park it? And did you get black curtains up on the window so you could sleep in like you normally do? Oh, I had, I had such a headache with supercars trying to get this camper van parked. Mate, I ended up parking in the city centre. Uh, and, uh, and to be honest, I actually got a hotel room. <laughs> oh. No, 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 wait, no, but I explained, hang on, no, oh, wait, but I, what I needed was, I realized I had this hotel room that I forgot, my missus called me and said, listen, you know, you've got a hotel room that you can stay at, so we were using the hotel room as like a, a area like to go and shower and, and, you know, for all the boys, there's a few boys in the camper van, but yeah, no, it was, um, yeah, that, that was a, hey, did you guys see my haircut? I know yeah, Dan. I, I know Dan, our, our sound guy on this podcast. He saw my haircut. He was majorly impressed. I got no text message from you, Timmy. Yeah, it's still being written. I was that, I was that impressed by it. But Dan, of course, is our executive producer. Dan McHugh, he does a great job. Well, but I will leave with the thought, John, and, and, and take this home with you tonight because you've been a little bit angry prior to coming on. I think that you've got rid, rid of that with a bit of your nervous energy and your performance on the podcast. But So here you were in your motor um, holiday van up in Bathurst, you know, having a peanut a collada over here and driving the car and your wife was looking three uh, looking after three kids under 10 and she was still sorting out your hotel room tim you, I, I kind of feel there's like a sense of judgment in what you're trying to yeah like, there absolutely is absolutely like, is. like there is you know i need all the self-esteem i can get if you can just boost me up tim i come on this podcast oh, be boosted up man. seriously your wife deserves a few medals i'll talk to you next oh well in a few days so see you then john all right too easy, Shane. 
That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you, of course, to our guests today, John Stephenson and Paul Smith. Thank you to our wonderful sponsors, Shane. Yes, Spartan Sports, www.spartansportshq.com. And, of course, our producer, Dan McHugh. He's a great recipe for a homemade meat pie. He's yeah. a multifaceted, multi-talented <laughs> human. See you tomorrow. We'll see you then, guys.